Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Alex. I'm the lead pastor here at Courtright, and we are actually here at the church building now. Uh, I want to welcome you to this feed, this stream that we're going to be broadcasting on Sunday morning, uh, whether you're part of our church community or whether you've come from farther afield. Uh, in recent weeks, we've had people join us from across the country and beyond Canada. So that's been one of the exciting things, one of the blessings that God has given us uh, through these troubled times. What I want us to ask today, and, and I'm stepping away from the series that we started last week, a series that was supposed to lead us up until Good Friday and Easter and Holy Week, um, and it, it will, we'll resume it next week, but this Sunday I wanted to step away from the series we had planned and the passage we had planned for this morning. Instead, I want us to consider, uh, as we did last week, but even more this Sunday, I want us to have a special focus on what God is saying to us right now as his church, as his people. With the pandemic going on, everything that's been going on, uh, I think it's maybe worth thinking of it in terms of two Greek words for time. So you may have heard that in the New Testament, in the ancient Greek world, the word chronos and the word kairos are used for time. They both mean time, but they mean something different. So chronos, we get our English word chronological from that. And chronos is, is time that is quantitative. It's time that you look at a clock and it's that time. It's the time of a calendar. It's linear, it moves in a certain direction. So on March 15th, we had our first service online. We can look at dates and of course that helps us. But Kairos time is something different. Kairos time is more like a season and it's a season of opportunity. It's, it's a moment in which we have to figure out who we are and what we're going to do. It's a challenge in a way. And so I think of this time we're in now uh, as the church in particular, as a Kairos moment. It's, it's a moment where God is speaking to us and we need to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying, how he's calling us together to be the church, a renewed church, and a church maybe that is dealing with some of its hangups, is noticing things in a new way. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I go through a hard time in my life, I find that God uh, always um, draws my attention to certain issues that maybe I wasn't previously aware of. And, and as I see those things, then I have a decision to make. Am I going to um, try something different? Am I going to consider alternatives? Or will, when the crisis time, the Kairos time passes, will I just go back to being uh, who I've always been? Um, so I think really, uh, as the congregation we are, uh, as Courtright Church, we have a tremendous opportunity here, even as we face, obviously, enormous challenges as individuals, as a congregation, as a city, the city of Guelph, and, and uh, as a society in Canada and around the world. Uh, so that's really the question I'm going to put to us this morning as, as we turn to God's Word. So we're, gonna, we're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. But first, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you give us your word um, as a way of encouraging us. That your word is full of wisdom, it's full of practical advice, it's full of amazing theological ideas. The depth and richness of your word is beyond our understanding. And also, uh, you give us your word so that 
we can have comfort in a time uh, like this when many of us are suffering, um, are isolated, are afraid. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, would you uh, breathe your breath of life into us as the church? Um, we come before you today expecting all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, this is the time to open it or to go and get it if it's not right in front of you. I don't know about you, but as part of this pandemic scenario we're in, I've been rediscovering uh, things that are physical. I think maybe because everything has gone online, for me anyway. I don't know if you've experienced that, but we've been doing online staff meetings daily uh, at the church, not at the church, but as the church staff online. Uh, a lot of our lives, it seems now, are online. And so it seems, for me, it feels like physical things are comforting. And, and um, I think many of us, probably all of us, have Bibles, physical Bibles, that uh, we can turn to and open up. So let's do that now. Um, obviously, if you've got it on a screen, that's fine too. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And as we do this, let's keep in mind this question, who are we as the church and what's God calling us to in this moment? So this, this passage comes to look at the chronos aspect of it. The chronology comes after the Holy Spirit has uh, arrived in these tongues of fire in the heads of the followers of Jesus uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts in chapter 1 uh, when they were discouraged, they were confused, Jesus had been crucified, and yet uh, some of them had seen Jesus, the risen Christ, and, and others hadn't but had heard of this, so they were trying to figure out what all that meant. Uh, and then Peter, one of the apostles, after Pentecost gets up and preaches the first sermon in Christian history, and people uh, are inspired, those who heard it were inspired by this vision of, of Jesus uh, risen from the dead, and they come to faith, and what we see going on in the city of Jerusalem is so amazing. So let's read these verses. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. So whenever we have a membership class here at Courtright, um, some of you know that we have, uh, periodically we have a workshop called Courtright Connect, and it, it kind of doubles as membership class, but also as an introduction to the church for those who are new to Courtright and maybe aren't thinking about membership yet. And the first question I always ask when I teach that class is, uh, what is the church? Who are we? And, and the feedback I get from people, I ask people to just freely associate with that word church. What, what, are they, what images do they have? And, and, um, and people say all kinds of fascinating things. And then, then we talk about uh, what is the church at its best. And I invite people to share a story of Christian community uh, that they've had in their life, an experience they've had of the church. 
and um, the results I find always really encouraging because people have some amazing stories about what it means to be the church and how they've experienced that. And the thing I've noticed over the years is that a lot of those stories, in fact, the vast majority of, majority of them start with a closeness, a personal closeness. So, so people don't usually talk about amazing sermons they've heard, you know, when they're in the 20th row back from the preacher. They don't usually talk about uh, experiences that are more intellectual, that are removed from other people. They, they almost always share about uh, experiences of community. And often people will talk about camp, if they're, especially if they're a younger person, they'll talk about the experience of being with other believers and making friends at a Christian camp. They'll talk about small groups, people of any age will do that. Uh, they'll, they'll talk about um, how much they've learned together with people and how much they've been encouraged by those relationships. And so the thing that keeps coming up in these conversations is the closeness that people feel to one another in those situations, those community experiences, but also the closeness they feel to God. And those two things are so intertwined. And I think we see that most of all here in Acts 2, 42 to 47. So what I'd like us to do is to consider uh, these six verses by looking at three different categories of what's going on here. The first is the spiritual, the second is the emotional, and the third is the social. And I, I quickly want to say that I recognize those things shouldn't really be divided. I mean, spiritual and social are part and parcel of the same thing, but in order to consider different aspects of this passage, we're going to, we're going to do that anyway and risk maybe um, being accused of, of um, dividing things, but uh, um, you, you can email me your concerns if, you, if you're worried about that. Uh, so let's dive into it here. Um, I think the spiritual aspects of what we read here in Acts 2, 42 to 47 uh, come at us right from the beginning. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then right after that, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And later in verse 47, it says that they were all praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So here we see all the basics of Christian life, really. We see that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they wouldn't have had a Bible like we have a Bible. So the apostles' teachings would have been circulating in the oral tradition. People in that culture and time uh, could remember things like we can't begin to imagine. And so that would have been the way that teaching was passed on to uh, Christians, from Christian to Christian, from church to church. Um, and they were also devoted to fellowship, and, and the word there is koinonia, so it's a closeness in the Lord that is still very much the focus of our churches today. And then we have a reference to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and, and uh, Bible scholars think that this first reference to the breaking of bread here in verse 42, it talks about breaking bread together later in the passage, but this first one is uh, referring to the beginnings of the sacrament of Holy Communion, uh, whether you call it Communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Uh, we're seeing here a glimpse of what they were starting to practice as the early church. And um, so that is uh, important to them, this, this uh, structure of their lives. They're worshiping together, they're starting to find certain ways of uh, 
doing that that remind them, that point them to the important things, to Jesus uh, and to his teachings. And then prayer is the last thing. And of course, that probably is referring to corporate prayer, prayer together in the worship gatherings they would have had, but also to individual prayer. Uh, so we see all of these spiritual basics to the Christian life here. And then we see right afterwards that, that really it comes down to God's intervention. Um, they are filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So God is moving in the city of Jerusalem. God is doing things and wonders and signs, we have to define that. We don't know exactly what that was. There are no examples given right here, but elsewhere in the book of Acts, there are plenty of examples. So we can get a good idea from those stories. But the, the general idea that, that true worship uh, is an openness to God and awe before God uh, is clear here. And then in verse 47, they're all praising God. And so that becomes the theme really, the worship of the church. Uh, I think that in our time at the moment with the social distancing that we've got going on, this is something that all of us are working out in our families, in our individual lives, uh, whether you live with other people or you live alone. Um, as the church too, we're, we're trying to understand how we can have a structure to our lives because uh, we're not here in this room, in the sanctuary at 55 Devere Drive on Sunday mornings. And so how can we be the church together doing all these things individually um, when we have to keep our distance from each other? So. Let's move on. I'm going to leave that question out there. Let's move on to the emotional life of the church at that time, because I, I think there's helpful stuff for us in that, too. It says in verse 45, um, that verse 43, I need to put my glasses on, that not only was were they filled uh, with awe, um, but later it says that they also ate together with glad and sincere hearts and that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. So it, it seems as though the emotional life of the church is, is again characterized by this wonder at what God's doing and also a gladness, uh, a contentment, a joy, and a sincerity, uh, an openness really to God. And not only do they enjoy God, but it says they enjoy the people around them too. So there aren't these kind of lines dividing them off from the other people in the city of Jerusalem at that time, they would have all been Jews, of course, and so they were united in that way. It's only later that the church begins to, to separate itself to make those distinctions a little more clear. Um, I think right now in, in my family, I can say, and I think uh, in many other places in the world, we see lots of evidence of fear. I think if you had, had to choose one word to describe the emotional life of our culture at the moment, not just Western culture, but global culture, it would be fear. And when we're afraid, we are tempted to close ourselves off from other people. And there is, of course, good sense behind that in the sense that, that we, are, um, we need to isolate ourselves, especially if we've traveled. You've heard all of this good advice that, that we need to flatten the curve with this virus. We need to be really careful and listen to health authorities, public health officials. I think as the church, we can speak into this moment by saying, by recognizing that there is fear at work in our culture, but also 
by saying that God is good and that we need to remain open to him. And we can do that even as we're honest about our anxiety. Uh, God invites us to lament. We see that throughout the Psalms. I've read more Psalms in recent days than I think ever before. Uh, the Psalms speak into our emotional lives and particularly at times of anxiety and challenge, we turn to the Psalms. Um, also here, uh, I think we, we have an invitation um, to be more emotional with God, if, if I can put it that way. I know some of us are, are more at ease expressing our emotions than others, but I, I have recently found that my emotions have been bubbling to the surface in ways that I never expected. My, my mom has been sick, and so I was out uh, last week in Brighton, where my parents live, in the Trenton area, uh, helping my parents. And because of everything going on, uh, the pressures of, of having to uh, be careful around the virus and having to change the way we work, move everything online, uh, also the sickness my mom was going through and my father um, needs to be cared for as well um, at the moment because he's visually impaired. So all of this was pressing in on me and, and on my family. And I was at the pharmacist in Brighton and this woman was so kind in the way she was helping me uh, figure out meds for my parents. And I, I suddenly started to, to cry. It's, Judith jokes that when I cry, Judith is my wife, for those of you who may not know, Judith jokes that when I cry, it's what she calls man tears. So there are actually visible tears, but um, it is real for me as crying. My eyes moisten up, but most of all, I get choked up. I, there's this surge of emotion. I felt, I felt like I'd been containing that, repressing all that emotion, trying to keep everything together in my life. And then this woman's kindness uh, was like a release to that emotion. And I think that God wants us to be a people of tears and a people of joy at times like this. Uh, we can be honest with our fears, but we praise the Lord uh, through the good times and the bad times. Um, some of you may know that worship song, He Gives and Takes Away, and um, we praise Him through that. Blessed be the name of the Lord, we say. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean we're not asking questions, we're not struggling with doubts, but at this time in the early church, the early days of the church in Jerusalem, it's clear that there was an emotional life to the church that was focused on gratitude and worshiping God and joy. And I think we can have that today as well as we listen to the Holy Spirit and as we, as we do some of the things that, that uh, the early part of this passage recommends that we do. So let's move on to the social life of the church now. And, and uh, we see that, I think, in verses 44 and 45, where it says that the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those daily, those who were being saved. If there's one word that leaps out at us reading this passage, it's the togetherness of the church. And there are lots of questions we could ask generally in our practices, in our cultural uh, 
posture in, in the ways that we find technology and um, so many influences conspiring to keep us apart. And right now, of course, what I want to address is the, the challenges we're experiencing with the pandemic and uh, the social distancing that I referred to earlier. Um, for the church, that, that seems like a major challenge because sometimes we think of the church, we talk about going to church, we talk in ways that suggest that the Sunday morning service, the gathering uh, we have for worship once a week on Sundays is the church and maybe even the building is the church and, and I think we know that that's not true but we use this language. I can't think of a time in my life and some of you have lived longer lives than I have and, and probably in your life the same thing is true where God has challenged the church to think more broadly about who we are, not just in terms of the large group gatherings, um, the things we do on Sunday morning, the, the preaching, the music, uh, the coffee hour, all those things that are good things. But here we see that, that the life of the church is, is meant to be a togetherness well beyond those things. Um, and I've struggled in recent days with this idea that it's business as usual in the church, um, at the same time recognizing that it's not. Things have changed and we don't know how long they'll continue to be changed. In a way, it is business as usual. We continue to have fellowship, uh, to be together. We can do that by picking up the phone, by having online meetings. Um, we can do that by keeping six feet between ourselves and whoever we might be uh, with physically. Uh, but I think there's, there's a challenge for the church in this to reconsider how uh, we may have put too much of a focus on Sunday mornings. And, and we've known that's true for a long time, but now it's like God saying, I'm gonna create conditions in which you can no longer rely on that thing. Uh, the Sunday morning gathering. Um, now, one of the ways that we are together as the church, and you see this in the passage we're focusing on today, is by sharing our wealth and our resources with one another, um, by financially contributing both individually to the lives of people we know who are in need, but also to the work of the church. And uh, we do that at Courtright, and I hope you do that um, in your local congregation where wherever you're involved in church by taking up an offering on Sundays and uh, everything from our missions budget to keeping the building where a lot of our programs run to uh, the salaries for staff who we've almost commissioned and delegated um, the leadership uh, of the church to in a way we still have obviously leaders who are not paid. Uh, we have elders and small group leaders and lots of leaders. Um, but all this is a pooling of our resources together, really. And I think there are so many opportunities right now for the church to reach out to people in need. I talked last Sunday in my sermon about how Judith and I went out um, almost a week ago with cards for people on uh, the street where we live in downtown Guelph. And we just dropped a card through people's mailboxes saying if, if we can help, if we can get you groceries, if we can run an errand for you, um, we want to do that. And, and 
we heard back from a number of people uh, expressing such gratitude. Uh, I think that's partly a, a question of being together and, and uh, establishing community when we are forced to be distant from each other, but it's also a way of saying, uh, it's, it's a way of offering people something. You know, who could you right now buy groceries for? Who could you use the money that you may be saving by not having restaurants open, by not, there are lots of ways that we normally would spend money that we can't right now. Um, how can you offer that money up to the work of the church, uh, individually to encourage people. I think the, the church in Jerusalem enjoyed the favor of all people because of its amazing generosity. And so I would ask, how are we being generous right now with what God has given us rather than, than acting out of fear? And now I recognize also that some of us are facing financial challenges. Some of you may have lost your job already or may see that on the horizon. We are headed into a lot of uncertainty surrounding the economy, and so clearly you want to be wise uh, and, and not give beyond what is safe or right to give. But I believe the Holy Spirit leads us in that way, and we do, this is the third Sunday that we won't have met together, and we do have needs as a congregation um, for, we normally take up an offering, well, March 29th, we would have, the last Sunday of the month. It's our practice at Courtright to do that. Uh, but we have offering boxes in the sanctuary that people put their weekly uh, tithe, as we call it, uh, their financial contribution to the church into those boxes. So you haven't been able to do that, for those of you who do that, and we want to encourage you to mail that into the church, uh, or we would be happy to come and get that from you. If you need someone to come to your home, that's something that you can let Amanda in the office. She's not in the office, but we have a virtual office, so you can email her at office at courtrightchurch.org. But I think the exciting thing um, really is that, that God wants us to shine uh, in our generosity, with our generosity in this time where there's a lot of darkness and a lot of anxiety. Um, now, the other aspect of the sharing of resources is emotional and relational wealth that we can share with one another. And as we've wrestled the leaders of court, right, both the, the session, which is what we call our Council of Elders here, and also the staff, as we've wrestled with how we can be the church, even when we're not meeting together physically on Sunday mornings, uh, we had a meeting this past Wednesday where we came up with a proposal that I want to tell you about a little bit right now, and, and that is that we, we would like to gather the church for the duration of this pandemic into what we're calling neighborhood groups. And that would mean that depend, depending on where you live in the city of Guelph, and we're going to use the municipal wards of Guelph as our geographical unit, you would be in a certain group. And we have six wards, you may know that already in Guelph. Uh, we may need a few more groups than that, but we're gonna have roughly groups of 20 to 30 people. And we're going to go through the church directory. We've been working on making sure that's updated this week uh, as much as possible. We have new people coming all the time to court, right? So we, want, we don't wanna leave anyone out. And we're going to divide people up into the part of the city where they live 
based on street address and postal code. Um, obviously, we are very careful with all that information. Your contact information is kept strictly confidential. But what we hope to see happen, we're going to be inviting you to take part in weekly online neighborhood group meetings. And we'll have two to five leaders for each of those groups. And it'll be an opportunity to, to do what we heard about here in Acts 2, 42 to 47, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. Uh, we can't celebrate communion in those groups, but we can enjoy a kind of communion, I think, and certainly a fellowship through um, the internet. And, and so you'll be hearing more about that in coming days, but I'd ask you to pray for uh, those groups to come together. We, we, we wanted to do this mostly because we want to care for each other better. And we know that there are people who are not adept with technology. We know that there are people who are not prepared to come forward and ask for help for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they're not aware that help is available. I'm talking about people in our congregation. And so we trust that these groups will uh, gather people for one hour a week is our goal for prayer and for uh, opening God's word and for checking in with each other, but then also reach out to people on the list of their group uh, to offer help and to say, how can we care for you? Um, how can we meet whatever needs you're experiencing right now? Or just a word of uh, a friendship, a word saying, uh, how are you doing? And, and uh, uh, how can we help? So the other thing about these groups that we trust they may be able to do, uh, each group will approach this differently, is, is reach out. We see here at the very end of this passage that the church was adding to their numbers daily in the city of Jerusalem. And we think that there are a lot of people right now who are lonely and isolated, and we know that there are a lot of people who are afraid. Uh, so how can we be a part of seeking the peace and prosperity of the city of Guelph at this time of need. And, and there's no better way for us to figure that out than in local groups where we live uh, with people who are down the street from us, around the corner from us, who can say, well, this and this and this, these things are happening in our neighborhood. Um, here's a way we might be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, witness to the love of Jesus um, right where we live. And um, even though we do have to distance ourselves socially and physically at the moment, there are still a lot of things we can do to serve each other. So that's something I invite you to pray for. And I'm going to stop there, I think. Um, but first, let's, speaking of prayer, let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that, as we see here in Acts 2, uh, the church is something, um, is uh, uh, your creation. It's, it's something you love. And I think back to the very opening of the Bible, a verse that's been on my mind and my heart um, for about a year now, I think, uh, where it says that, that your spirit hovered over the waters. And Lord, I feel like your spirit is hovering over the church right now in a special way uh, at this Kairos moment, this time of opportunity. And so I pray, Lord, that, that you would guide us, that you would give us wisdom as to how we can share the gospel, how we can reach out, um, not just with physical things, with, with offers of help and, and groceries and gifts of, of all sorts, but also with a word of truth, truth and grace, uh, with 
um, the message that we are together in Christ, that he calls us to be with him. He forgives us and he loves us um, like we never dared imagine was possible. So Lord, I pray that you would guide us to court right and that you would bless this, uh, going forward, this um, neighborhood group proposal uh, as we implement that in the coming days and weeks. So we lift these prayers up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.